Well, if I wasn't bringing the word, I'd be a little nervous about following that. <laughs> but I'm not so nervous. So I'd like you guys just to kind of close your eyes. And, uh, you know, when the spirit moves, you know, it kind of resonates. It kind of bounces off your insides. You know, I remember uh, the first time I went to a church that uh, that had a effect on me, like, in my heart, you know. I remember listening to the worship and, and actually feeling something. And I didn't know what that was, you know. I was kind of a, a newbie, a rookie church, but not really churched, you know. So, uh, so I just want you guys to close your eyes for maybe 20, 30 seconds and just let it resonate. Father, we just love you. We thank you for everything that you do for us. We thank you for uh, just a new time, a new place. Uh, every day it's like that. And every day you're the same. Lord, it's, it's because of your love that we're here. And all you ask for is our obedience. Lord, I just pray that uh, you'd open up the eyes and the ears of everyone here, Lord, their hearts. You'd fill the void that's there and just flush out anything that's not of you. Lord, I pray that uh, this word that we're going to hear today is, is directly from you and you would just use me to, to relay it. Lord, I, I like being a messenger, uh, just bringing forth your word to other people. And I can rely on your word because it's, it's true. And Lord, I just... Uh, I just encourage uh, encourage you all and encourage your faith. And Lord, uh, we just we just thank you in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, guys. So uh, we got a word today. Uh, God kind of placed on my heart about three weeks ago, um, and it's uh, I get to actually because I'm in big people's church. You know, I do do the youth now, and it's a lot of fun. But um, sometimes we're limited on time. So I actually get to, like, title the sermon. So here's the title. It's your road to Damascus to and from. Um, and what we're going to just kind of go over is is uh, just testimony today. Uh, we're going to go over really just, uh, just what a, a real witness means. Um, and more importantly, I think uh, where everyone can start and lead to. How about that? So um, the first scripture we're going to read, just to kind of set a little bit of a, um, a table here, is going to be John 1, so the first chapter of John, 6 through 7. All right, and uh, it just talks about John the Baptist. And it says, uh, God sent John the Baptist to tell everyone about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. I'm going to read that again. John sent the, John the, or God sent John the Baptist to tell everyone about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. So the, the key point is, you know, God sent John the Baptist. 
John the Baptist wasn't the light, but because of his testimony, because of what he did, uh, because of how obedient he was to God, it was God's will that people would hear that testimony and believe. Um, today, I, I really believe we're going to be encouraged. We're going to be encouraged to uh, hear God's word. Uh, we're going to be encouraged to, to listen to, you know, the testimony of your heart. Um, also to realize that everyone here has a testimony. No matter if you're saved or you're not saved, your legend of your life is your testimony. Whether you like your legend or not, but you do have the ability to change it, right? So, um, so I like, uh, like a, f- a few things that, I re- that God really put on my heart was uh, to talk about uh, disciples. You know, everyone here is a disciple of God, you know? Um, if you acknowledge him, if you're obedient to him. Um, the cool thing, though, is even if you're not a disciple of God, it's in you. It just isn't out, right? So uh, we're going to look at one more scripture, and it's uh, John seventeen twenty. And whenever I see uh, the red letters in your Bible, you know it's pretty important, right? Um, a few songs about that, you know. But, uh, but so I always take heed to that, and I think it's really cool because... Uh, in working through the sermon that I have, um, you know, God really put a couple of things on my heart. It talked about disciples, and it talked about how important it is. And I think it's really cool that Jesus actually had a prayer for his disciples 2,000 years ago. So he's praying for all you guys right now, 2,000 years ago. You know, and I think that's really powerful. So uh, it's uh, John 17, verse 20, and I'm actually going to read to uh, 21. So I'm praying not only for these disciples, so his immediate disciples, but also for all those who will ever believe in me because of their testimony. My prayer for all of them is that they will be one, just as you and I are one, Father, that just as you are in me and I am in you, so they will be in us and the world will believe you sent me. So it's a testimony. You know, he's telling us that, um, that, you know, you're important. You're so important that he has a prayer for you 2,000 years ago. And I, and I really, um, I think that's important. I think we have to remember that, you know, the word of God is forever. It was for back then. It's for now and it's for tomorrow, right? So, uh, so you know, the scripture, the first two scriptures that, that I read there, for about three weeks, you know, the Holy Spirit's really been pushing it on me. And, um, you know, I want to talk about the very most, well, one of the very most important um, testimonies, I think, in the Bible. And it's, uh, you know, the conversion from Saul to to Paul. Uh, He was the, you guys, most of you guys know the story about Paul. Um, He was uh, trained up to be a master and scholar of the Jewish law. Um, He was actually the one that held the coats of the first martyr. Uh, Stephen, um, so he was he was the head honcho. He was the the president, so to speak. Um, you know, he was their ringleader. Uh, he his job was to hunt down, track down uh, Christians, and then to persecute them. Whether that meant killing them or put them in prison, which they might have might as well have been dead. So uh, in Acts twenty two, you know, Paul ends up uh, finally getting to Jerusalem. He gets to Jerusalem, and, and awaiting him are the high priestess, 
you know. And all these same scholars as he was, they're there waiting for him. And a mob rises up. And the mob rises up so much that it, it causes the, uh, the attention to be struck by uh, the Roman commander in that area. And he takes, uh, he takes Paul into custody. So he takes him to jail. What I really think is cool is, that, is this. Um, Paul is then asked to give his, he's asked to give his testimony. Why scholars from his own religion want him to be either imprisoned or killed. And, uh, and he's asked this by the Jewish high priest. He's asked it by uh, the governor, Felix. And then two years later, he's asked again by, by the guy that uh, took over or superseded him, um, Fetus. And then again by, the king, by King Agrippa of Rome. So all through this, he's asked to give his testimony. And all through this, he gives his testimony. So we're going to read uh, Acts 22, 121 through 21. And this is a little bit uh, wordy, so I'm going to go fast. You guys seen me run the base fast? It's not that fast, but pretty fast. So <laughs> I need Shane up here for that. Where's Shane? Shane's fast. So uh, brothers and esteemed leaders, Paul said, listen to me as I offer my defense. So he's starting his testimony. When they heard him speaking in their own language, the silence was even greater. I am a Jew born in Tarsus, city of... Uh, yeah, yeah, so we're going to skip that. So, uh, and I thought, or and I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem. And at his feet, I learned to... The guy that he... I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. At his feet, I learned to follow our Jewish laws and customs very carefully. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did just as all of you are today. And I, am persec- and I persecuted the followers of the way, the way meaning Christianity. And everything I did, or I'm sorry, uh, just as I did, persecuted followers, hounding some to death, binding and delivering both men and women in prison. The high priest and the whole council of leaders can testify to this, for I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the Christians from here to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. So he was, he was the ringleader. He was out there, you know, uh, collecting anybody that he could just to put down what the Jews thought was a conspiracy to take over their religion, right? And as I was on the road nearing Damascus, about noon, a very bright light came from heaven. And suddenly shone around me, and I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, because that was Paul's uh, first name. Why are you persecuting me? Who are you, sir? I asked. And then he replied, I am Jesus of Nazareth, the one you are persecuting. And the people with me saw the light, but they didn't hear the voice. Did you guys hear that? The people around him saw the light. You know, Christianity isn't a... (laughs) Well, she can just come on up. She might be able to read. <laughs> so, uh, so, so anyway, so the people around him saw the, light, saw the light, but they didn't hear the voice. And isn't that the case with a lot of your walks? That the people around you can see the light, but they haven't heard the voice yet. Whether an audible voice from God, whether something in their heart, or maybe they're waiting for your voice to say something to them. So I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, get up 
and go to Damascus, and there you will be told all that you are to do. And I was blinded by the intense light and had to be led in Damascus by my companions. A man named Anaisus uh, lived there, and he was a godly man in his devotions to the law and was well thought by all the Jews of Damascus. And he came to me and he stood beside me and he said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And that very hour I could see, and he could see him. And then he told me, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and, and hear him speak. You are to take this message everywhere, telling the whole world what you have seen and heard. And now, why delay? Get up and be baptized and have your sins washed away, calling on the name of the Lord. One day after I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in the temple, and I fell into a trance, and I saw a vision of Jesus saying to me, Hurry, leave Jerusalem, for the people here won't believe you, and when you give them your your testimony about me. Just two more guys. But Lord, I, I argued, they certainly know that I imprisoned that I imprisoned and beat those very in, in those in the very synagogue that you believed in, or, or those that believed in you. And when your witness Stephen was killed, I was standing there agreeing, and I kept the coats they laid aside as they stoned him. But the Lord said to me, "Leave Jerusalem, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles." So He sent him to us. All right. So, uh, of all that that I read, and hopefully you guys caught that, you know, I really want to I want to uh, talk about uh, just three things, and those three things are um, kind of my bullet points, so to speak. Are uh, no two are the same. We're talking about testimonies. Uh, testimonies bind us together. That's number two, and it's also your witness. All right. So, so here we go. Um, you guys have probably heard this before, but uh, snowflakes. You know, during a snowstorm, maybe a billion fall, but no two are the same, right? Your testimonies are the exact same thing as a snowflake. There's billions of them, and no two are the same. Uh, And I think there's a lot of reasons. You know, there's geography, you know, where you're at. There's time, of course. Um, There's where you're at physically, maybe health-wise, maybe spiritually. Um, There's... uh, you know, all these, all these relationships that you have, and you have lots of different circumstances, inside, outside, you know, all those. Um, but what separates us is the differences in those testimonies. Just like Paul's. I mean, Paul's is pretty dramatic. I mean, he's blinded, right? Blind and thin. I had to be led for a day to Damascus. And, you know, it took a day for him to get a sight back. So his testimony isn't the same as ours, but that doesn't mean that ours isn't just as as important. Doesn't mean it's uh, any more relevant. Um, it also doesn't mean that uh, because maybe our testimonies aren't as dramatic as others, that they're not as important to God. You know, I think every one of you guys here has has something that'll bind you together, that'll weave you together. Um, and that's number two is that, uh, you know, they're all unique. Um, and uh, there, there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes uh, it's 4.12, so chapter 4, verse 12. It talks about a, a three-chord knot and how, you know, imagine three, three witnesses to God, three testimonies, all different. But when they're all bound together with that one common thing, 
they're inseparable. You know, and, and that and that thing is Jesus Christ. I mean, that's 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 the three chord knot, and that's the most important thing. Um, so uh, a couple of guys said, uh, "Hey, you got to talk about our softball game yesterday," but I but I already beat them to the punch. So um, I'm going to share a little bit about what that really means. Um, you know, we played yesterday in a big tournament. You know, lots of teams. Um, we had a really really cool team. Uh, we had uh, a lot of believers. Had a couple non-believers. Uh, church isn't big enough, so we didn't have quite enough guys to fill out a whole roster, so we had some other guys, which is great. Um, but it's really cool. Uh, just like that three-chord knot, though, we all bound together for one reason, and that was to win this tournament. Um, it was a, a quote-unquote church tournament, you know, a Christian tournament. Um, but if any of you guys have ever played anything like that, you know, sometimes there's not a whole lot of Christianity happening there. Uh, but, uh, you know, this tournament was really good, though. Because there was a lot of that happening, a lot of great prayer. But what I really liked was there's some really strong players that were on our team and some that weren't so strong. Uh, there's some talented ones. Uh, there are some, um, just some spiritually talented ones, though, too. So you had the physically, you had the spiritually. Um, it's funny, though, that our left fielder wouldn't have been any good, you know, at, at shortstop. Well, he probably would have been because he's pretty awesome. But the um, point is that we had great shortstop. We had a great right fielder. We had a decent second baseman, a good catcher, great pitcher. <laughs> Where's Pat? Pat's pitcher. It's hilarious. <laughs> so, so, uh, but it took all of us to come together in one, one attitude. And like Teresa said, about the uh, fourth game, you could really see it come together. Because uh, softball, you know, scores are usually 18 to 13. But we won a 4-3 to three game, and it was all on our defense. I mean, it was, it was crazy how everybody came together. Um, but what I, what I really loved about it, though, you know, just to add to my testimony is, is you know, I'll remember the last game that we played, the championship game, and we're back praying. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to say who the, the sappy guy is that was praying. And uh, he tends to be a little emotional at times. Sometimes he cries a little bit, you know. I love him, though. And uh, so we're praying, and he's getting broken up, you know. He's surrounded by 24 guys or so. And we were playing the other Freedom Center team, and we smoked him. So that was cool. So it wasn't so bad. But we're, we're all praying. Uh, so lots of like-minded believers there. And, and uh, okay, it was Pat. Pat. Pat's praying. And he gets to the end, and I could hear his voice start to go, you know. And that usually means tears are coming. Here it comes. And he said something, though, that I'll always remember. He said he never knew it could be this good. And he was a wreck for probably 20 minutes. Because he never knew that the hole in your heart that causes you all kinds of grief can be filled with God's word and his love. And until you know that, you can never explain how much somebody that you can't see, somebody that you don't understand, loves you unconditionally. Um, and that's part of your testimony, is having that void in your heart that gets filled. So yesterday, that was my the biggest thing that I got from from the prayer and everything was... A simple phrase that Pat said, 
that the Holy Spirit, I'm sure, prompted him, and it picked my heart to, to just say, you know, Kurt Franklin said it too. He, he said, uh, Lord, you've pulled me from a mighty long way. And that's the case. You know, everybody hits some type of a bottom and he pulls you. So number three, though, is your, is your testimony. And, and how many know that when somebody says, hey, you want to go witnessing? You know, and I'm, you know, there's a few of you guys that are like, yeah, like Pat. Pat's, Pat's a great witness, Teresa, too. Bunch you over here. Uh, Mike Maher is too. Michael Maher is too. Yeah, baby. So anyway, so and, and there's there's dozens of you guys that are, but some people though, you know, that's kind of like, oh man, you know, like Jehovah Witness, like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> Want to read my Bible? Yeah. So, uh, so how many of you guys know though that not everybody's going to be called to that type of a witness, but everybody is called to be in a witness for Christ through your testimony. And, and everybody can do it. Um, you know, you guys aren't all going to be Billy Grahams. You know, you guys won't all like Tammy Taylor. Tammy Taylor's not coming up here ever. <laughs> you know, she's not, she's a, she's a scaredy cat, you know. But, uh, but yeah, so, so I mean, that, that's a big deal. So we're going to look at, at another parable, uh, or, or a parable, I should say. It's Mark 4. Verse 3 through 9. You guys should be, uh, well, I'm not. I w- won't say you guys are lucky. I'm almost done, but, you know, God's word uh, never ends. So, okay, so it says, uh, it says, listen, a farmer went out to plant a seed, and, and this is, uh, or plant some seed, and this is G- Jesus speaking. And as he scattered it across his field, and some seed fell on a footpath, the birds came and, he, and ate it. Another seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock, and the plant sprang up quickly, but it soon wilted beneath the hot sun and died because there were no roots that had no nourishment in the shallow soil. And other seeds fell among thorns and shot up and and were choked out by the tender blades so that it produced no grain. And still others fell down fertile soil and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as it had been planted. And then he said, anyone who is willing to hear should listen and understand. So, you know, the, la- the last uh, verse 9 there, anyone who is willing to hear should listen and understand. You know, that, that's what it's about, right? It's about um, waiting for the opportunity, you know. And I'm going to tell you uh, this morning, I, I haven't told Kristen this, but I get a call, you know. You know, it's a whole God thing, you know. This... It, I only know really one Greg that I would save on my phone. So if your name's Greg, I'm sorry. But, so I get this phone call from Greg. And Greg, I met him when he was about 14. You know, he's probably 17 or 18 now, something like that. When he, he calls me about four or five times a year, well, yeah, maybe some more than that, sometimes less than that. Um, he's a troubled kid, though. I mean, uh, at 14, he was already an alcoholic. Um, he's already uh, doing every drug that you can imagine. Uh, and, you know, we, Krista and I, my wife, we, uh, we had um, a bunch of kids that stayed with us for a year at a time, like a discipleship program type thing. And Matt Estep was one of them. Well, he, he was really trying to counsel this kid because Matt's, Matt's walk was really similar 
to, to Greg's. So Greg, I don't know how many times he spent the night at our house. He would spend it three, four nights at a time when things got so bad at his house because, you know, how many know if you guys are around the environment, it's really easy to become part of the environment, you know? I mean, anybody go to college, you know? I mean, I mean but so his folks, all alcoholics, all of his relatives, the exact same thing. Um, so he would call. He would show up, stay the night, you know, get a breather, chow with us, goof around with us. Then he'd take off. Then I'd see him again three, four weeks later, come back again. It was just repetitious, you know. And then Matt moved out because he was done with his intern. But Greg never went away, you know. He never stayed the night again, but he would always call. And when he was broken, when he was sick of drinking, when he was sick of doing drugs, he would call. And uh, and one of my one of my best friends is uh, Dale Sinclair. And, you know, he's a recovered alcoholic. He's been clean for I don't know, fourteen, twelve, fourteen years or so. Um, so I put him in contact with him. And uh, so, anyways, so this like all this has been going on for four or five years now, something like that. It's been a long time. So he calls today and he says, "Hey." Mr. Dickerson? And I'm like, Greg, what's going on? And I'm sitting right, right up there. I'm like, uh, how are you, Greg? And, uh, you know, he knows what I'm going to ask. Greg, how are you? Greg, how are you really? You know, because you know the Christian ways. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. <laughs> fine means there's something more usually, right? He says, he says I'm good. I said, well, wh- what are you doing? He says, I'm in Ohio. I said, in, in Ohio, huh? He said, what are you doing in Ohio? He goes, Mr. D, I had to leave the environment. I had to go. I said, yeah. He says, once I, once I got away from the environment of it, then things got a little better, and then I stopped drinking, and I stopped doing drugs. And I said, Greg, for how long? And he says, today it's 75 days. And then he said that he, yeah, isn't that awesome? So, and then he said that he loved me. And I thought, well, darn it, you know. There's another addition to a testimony. You know, um, you, Greg and I have very little in common other than I really like him and I believed in him. He's a good kid. He really is. Made some bad choices, you know. And at some point, though, you guys know, I mean, we talk about this in, in youth, that um, at some point, it's got to become your own. It can't be your parents' fault anymore, right? Right. I mean, you can't. You guys can't keep just going back to it. You know, can't keep feeding your pearls to swine. You know, you just can't keep going back. Got to go forward. And that's what this whole road to, to Damascus is. It's it's you know it's your testimony, but it, then it's going forward past that. Just like Jesus said, you, you got to come. You got to you got to come. At, you, you're gonna go. You're gonna go to here, and then I'm gonna send you to there. I'm gonna send you to the Gentiles, right? So, you never know where your seed's gonna fall. But the f- first thing you got to do, you got to have some seed, and then you got to be able to throw it. If you never throw it, it's just like the the other parable with the talents. You know, what are you gonna do? A talent, your faith. You're gonna bury it and save it. So when your master comes back and says, "Hey, you got my gold?" I said, "Oh yeah, I got it right here." You know, the other three guys or two guys, they already multiplied it, you know. But you buried yours. You never, you never 
let it go out. You just kept it to yourself. So you, that's really what your testimony is about. You know, it's not to be kept in the dark, right? I mean, Jesus is the light. You know, it doesn't say, hey, Jesus is the dark. You know, I haven't seen that yet. Maybe in some of those other Bibles, but not in mine. Mine's pretty beat up, too. Um, you know, it's to be shared. So we're going to look at one more scripture, and then I'm going to give you my testimony. So First uh, John, and it's uh, chapter 1, 5 and 6. And it's this. It's, this is the message he has given us to announce to you. God is the light, and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not living in the truth. So here's where, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to give you my testimony. You know, I, I did this once at the Freedom Center. Um, my folks haven't really, I mean, here's my folks, you know. They haven't really even heard it, you know. They, and, you know, when I, when I knew I was going to give it, I didn't even tell them. Because <laughs> I thought, you know, it's kind of, it's personal, but it's not personal, you know. It's something to be shared, right? So, so gosh, uh, it's been eight years, huh? Yeah, about that. Gosh, I'm getting old. I was only like 21 then. <laughs> yeah, all right, probably not. Maybe more like 32. Darn it all. But, um, yeah, I can remember right where I was, though. You know, I was in front of a job site. You know, I'm a stonemason by trade, you know. So I'm looking at the stone wall, and I got my brother-in-law, Chip. He's sitting in my passenger seat. And I leaned over to Chip, and I, I said, Chip, do you really think there's a God? You know, and I just read this book, you know, and it was kind of a, you know, kind of a apocalyptic type, you know, end of the world, sort of, you know. But it really you know, had me curious about it, you know, and, it, and I was already, I, I wasn't, you know, we are, we had two kids at the time, three kids at the time. Yeah, we did have three kids. Wow. See, um, I wasn't around a lot. You know, I worked probably a hundred hours a week, you know, um, I worked a lot, um, having my own business, you know, I, that always came first. My wife was maybe third on the list, you know, because number two was hunting, fishing, in golf, right? So I would work, and then rather than go home, I would go do these things. And then I would get home, and home was crazy, you know, because you know, I didn't realize because I wasn't there, <laughs> you know. So and then I wanted it all run like I wanted it run. So I would come in, you know, and this is how it needs to be done, you know. <laughs> My wife would be like, you're never here. Go away, <laughs> you know. So, um, so, I mean, I missed lots of birthdays. Or I'd work half days on birthdays so I could get there right at the end. Missed lots of holidays. I don't know how many Fourth of Julys and Memorial Days and Labor Days that I worked, but a lot, you know. I would work three and four months at a time. I worked so hard once that I got uh, spinal meningitis and had to go to the hospital and was quarantined. Quarantined so that nobody else would get me sick because they had to knock down my immune system to nothing, right? So I'm looking at this wall, and I ask that to Chip, and Chip says, he goes, well, yeah, there's a God, you know. I said, all right. So 
you know, and then he kind of talked about like when he was in Florida and, you know, what he sort of knew, you know. And by now I had this huge hole in my heart. I mean, it just seemed like it was, I didn't want to go home. I didn't even want to hunt or fish or do anything. I couldn't enjoy anything. Nothing, I mean, I was just, if I've ever been depressed, I mean, that was probably it, you know. I was never, wasn't happy. Um, I'd fill it with quick things, you know. I'd, I'd go kill something or catch something or go hit a ball or go to work because I was really good at work, so go to work, you know. And then I'd be happy, happy, happy. And then if I ever had to sit still, then, you know, that happiness was gone. And I didn't realize it was just God to prompt me. So I get this call, and this is what's really cool, is uh, when people have been praying for you for so long and you have no idea, and then God does something to somebody that you would never thought it would have happened to. And my dad calls me. It, you know, my dad hardly ever calls, right? Well, now he does, but that's because we're cool like that now. So he calls me and he says, hey, Chris, what are you doing on Saturday? And I said, I don't know, Dad, what, what's going on, you know? He says, well, I want you to do something. My dad ever asked me to do something, you know, I try to do it right away with them. And uh, he, says, he says, can you come to, uh, to a baptism? Now, you know, when I was growing up, you know, I went to a church with my mom, and my dad would come. My dad was one of the holiday guys, you know. <laughs> he started two times a year. See, he's already saying two times a year. Uh, and every once in a while, he'd pull out his Marion and Barian suit, you know. He had one suit and marry people in it, and he'd bury people in it, you know. I'd see that suit a couple times a year besides that, right? So, uh, so anyway, so he says, will you come to this baptism? And I'm like, and by now... You know, uh, some things have already happened where my wife, my wife's like, uh, I'd get in the van and she'd have this Christian music on. I'm like, Kristen, we are not listening to this. So I changed station. And and it gave you an idea. I, it bugged me so much that I was getting a, a new pickup truck. Um, and I couldn't wait to have my own CD player. And the first thing I was going to go buy, now I'm really old, I was going to go buy a Limp Biscuit CD. I was all about, I, mean, I was thinking, oh, yeah, that'd be great. And then I thought, man, I can't even play that around my kids, though, you know. But I can still play it around myself. So anyway, so, uh, so I, you know, so gradually it started turning, you know, that was probably a couple months before that, you know. So my, so my dad asked me to come to this, you know, and, and I'd been reading my Bible. Kristen Kimberly, she bought me a Bible. How long? Probably like three, four, five years before that when she knew she probably had serious problems with me. <laughs> Next thing you know, it's on my nightstand, and I'm reading it, you know. It's great. And I started right in Genesis. <laughs> right there, verse 1. And I'm like, whoo. You know, and then I hit numbers, and boy, you know, that was enough to make dry as a desert, you know, at that point. So anyway, so, uh, so I was, you know, God was really preparing me. So when my dad called, you know, I said, sure. So we as a family, we meet at some guy's house in a river, and my dad the guy that never went to church. And I knew he'd been going to church. But I didn't realize what he was going there for. I thought it was to make my mom happy. But it was to make him happy, right? So goes to, so we go, to, go here. My dad gets baptized in a river. And I thought, holy crap. What am I doing, <laughs> right? So my mom had been on me about reading this book. You know, and it was the Left Behind series. Anybody ever read any of those, right? 
So uh, she gave me the, and she, I mean, she probably tried to give that thing to me for a year, maybe two. And I'm like, ah, oh, I don't want to read that book. So I read the book and I gave it to Kristen. But when I got to the end of the book, I'm still like, what is all this about? So I give it to Kristen. Kristen reads the book, you know. And now a whole series is going on. Now I realize that I'm really missing something and I can't figure out what it is. But, uh, you know, I'm, we're starting to look for a church. And you know what? The Limp Biscuit CD idea, that was gone. <laughs> you know, it was a miracle in itself. So anyway, so... Uh, so our neighbor, who wasn't even saved, that didn't even know Jesus as his Savior, invites Kristen and I to church. And we'd been to a few different ones before that, too. You know, my oldest boy has autism. And, uh, you know, he's, he's not difficult, you know, if you understand what it is, you know. Um, you know, you know, we got special needs kids, you know. It's, it's way different. And you've got to feel loved. And maybe not so much appreciated, but you don't want to feel like you're a burden, right? So we went to some other church who felt like a burden. This guy invites us over to the Freedom Center. So we go. It's great, though, because the first three times we're like, man, this is awesome. They don't even have an offering here, you know. My dad, my dad used to always say, he says, oh, that's just price of admission, Chris. <laughs> then the offering plate came by. So, so that's what I always thought, you know, but, but not anymore though. After, after he got baptized, probably well, well before that, but, but anyway, so, you know, all these things are ingrained in me, you know, but what's different though is now I, now I got a dad and a mom, of course, that are saved. I didn't understand really what that meant, but how many of you guys know that your dad and your mom teaches you no matter how old you are? And the thing is, is that you're teaching your little brothers right now, you know. Andy, you're going to have to teach this baby. And that baby's going to have to choose to learn, you know. Um, That's our legend. That's our testimony is learning from these things, you know. So my dad didn't stop teaching me. He hasn't stopped teaching me today. Um, So anyways, so uh, we go, you know, hey, no offering. Awesome. I hear a word. It's on me. I mean, the Holy Spirit's just on me, you know, like, and I didn't know what that was. And I'm like, all right, that thing in my heart that I'm feeling feels pretty darn good, you know. In just a series of events, three, four, five, six weeks into it, I'm like, man, this is definitely it. So it was September 9th, 2001, right? So the bombing was two days later of the towers when they ran the planes in the towers. So, um, there was an altar call, you know, talking about salvation. And I was so ready for it because I finally found something that was filling me up. And, uh, and I went down to the altar call, you know, accepted Christ as my Savior. And they pulled you into this little room. So you understood what you did. And they gave you like this little book that says your first 30 days with Christ and all that. Kristen's with me, you know, not much of a crier, but I was crying, you know. And they said, they said, oh, he said, okay, so here's one book. And I said, no, we're going to need two. Because, you know, my wife's right next to me. She goes, oh, no, that's okay. And I'm like, are you kidding me? How can you sit through that and not get saved, honey? And I thought that's the worst thing that could have ever happened. I'm like, are you serious? She's like, no, I got saved after I read that book like three or four weeks ago. I'm like, come on, honey. You know? So, um, so yeah. And then, and then the real, so your testimony doesn't end right there, though, right? 
it continues, you know, uh, just like Paul was blinded and then he could see. And then the Lord told him he had to go. So his testimony had to continue. I mean, it continued for six or seven more chapters, you know, and it, and it still continues. I mean, the word of God walks. I mean, it keeps walking and walking. 2,000 years now, it's been walking. And it's going to continue to walk. So where is your testimony just going to end? Is it not going to walk? Or are you guys ready to change what your testimony is right now? I mean, if, it, if, it's, not, if it's not a testimony that has Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit in you, and God watching over you, that's not the walk to have. You, you have to have the true walk. And, you know, it's called the way. It's called the way for a reason. You know, it's, uh, I always tell people, you know, like, where it says, oh, all the answers are in here. Well, there's a ton more questions in here, baby. <laughs> but there's a lot of answers, too. But this is the way to life. It's, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Word of God. It's Christ doing something completely unselfish for you. It's him dying on a cross, being raised from the dead like nobody else has done. And spreading his word and making disciples out of you guys now. I mean, I, I see all you guys. I mean, so many of you guys I've known for years. And I know that when I see you, uh, you know, there's a light about you. I mean, how many times I've laughed with Sharon and choir. <laughs> a lot, you know. And when I see her in the store, she's the same as she is here or at home or wherever. Um, so I encourage you guys to, to think about your, your testimony, to be prepared to share it. But more importantly, share it. And don't be afraid to throw the seed down. I mean, my dad wasn't. My mom wasn't. I mean, my daughter saved. Obviously, my wife, you know. I think my eight-year-old's right there, you know. I get to, I know coaches saved now, just yesterday. <laughs> Saw you sneak in. Yeah, yeah, Gomez the day before that, you know. So, you know, you guys got to be able to do that because God tells us to do that. Um, so, for all you guys that maybe aren't saved here or girls that aren't, You know, Christ offers you something that you can't find in a book. Maybe this book. For sure this book. You can't find it in a, in a club somewhere. Because I did all those things. You know, you can't find it drinking, smoking dope, whatever it is. You can't find it in your job, I can for sure tell you that. You can't even find it in your family if Christ isn't there. You can't put your kids first. You know, and then your marriage falls to pieces. You know, what has to be Christ, what has to be first throughout it all is Jesus Christ. You know, there's a scripture that I did not, that I did not write down. Um, so I'm just going to wing it. Uh, but it just says that, you know, we're promised eternal life through Christ Jesus. And, and that's the key to our testimony. 
you know, his word says that we love God because he loved us first. He doesn't love us because we love him. He'll always love us. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you've killed verbally, physically. It doesn't matter how angry you think you've made God and alienated yourself from him. It doesn't matter how selfish you've been because I've been more selfish than probably anybody here. I mean, I know because, you know, I was that way with my wife, putting myself first, you know. So I would ask you guys this, you know, the whole saying, if you were to die today, five minutes, where would you go? If you don't have Christ as your Savior, if you haven't accepted him, the word of God says that you'll just go to hell. It doesn't matter what a good person you are. My dad is a great, great man. One of my best friends. If he hadn't accepted Christ, though, and my mom would have, you know. I mean, my mom would be in heaven and my dad would be in hell. You know, same thing with my wife. So, and it doesn't matter that my dad isn't a great, great guy because he is a great guy. There's tons of great guys that go to hell. Tons of great girls that go to hell. And vice versa, tons of awful people have did awful things that go to heaven. The only thing that gets you to heaven is, is Jesus Christ and accepting him as your Savior. So, on that note, um, you know, I thought it was neat when, uh, when, you know, we had our altar call that I answered. You know, a lot of them, they're like, I just... Uh, Pull your right ear if uh, if you want to be saved today, you know. Ours was like, raise your arm, stand up, come down to the front. And you got 400 people watching you, you know. But I tell you what, I couldn't get out of my seat fast enough. You know, and I, I'm not one of those girly boys, you know. <laughs> I ain't afraid to shoot something, kill something. You know, I used to always think that Christians were kind of feminine, sort of, you know. You know, Gomez kind of backs that up every once in a while, but, you know. <laughs> no, but he's one of the first guys that I met that that really showed me that that's not the case. That you can be tough and strong and confident but still be a Christian. So, here's what I would ask you. Is anybody here that needs Christ as their Savior today? And if you if you do, just raise your hand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And all you Christians should be raising your hand right now, baby. Come on. Come on. Because we all need them. Doesn't matter if you're saved or you're not saved. We all need them. So, on that note, we're going to pray. And I didn't even go that much over. It's only uh, 12.09, so that's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right, Father, we just thank you. We thank you that your word is unabounding. That just like Paul, you know, you sent him to the Gentiles and you send us.
You send us to all different walks, Lord, to work, to play, into our homes especially, Lord, our relatives, our family, ball fields of all things, duck blinds too. Lord, it's just a, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to serve you. Lord, if, uh, if anybody here just didn't have the, I'm going to say guts because I'm standing up here. But if anybody didn't have the guts to, um, to raise their hand, but are sincere in wanting to know you as their Savior, to move forward in their walk and to realize that God has such a huge plan for them. And all it does is begin with one word, and it's just yes. And I'm going to say that is speaking in tongues right there. Um, Lord, I would just, I just ask that you would bless them. And you'd put the people in their lives, Lord, that would lead them. And that those people that are leading them, Lord, will walk out their faith in accordance to your word. So they can be the examples that they need to be. So the legend that when they die will be, man, that guy might have been a stonemason, but he really loved God. Lord, I thank you for, uh, for just all, just everything that you provide for us, that you're there in our time of need. Lord, I pray that we'd be able to acknowledge it even when things are going great and we feel like, you know, maybe we're on top of the world, but for us to be humble and walk out that humility. And God, I thank you just for, uh, I thank you especially, seems as I got the, the microphone, I thank you for my wife. Thank you for my kids. I thank you that you give me a safe place to go at home where I know that I'm loved and I can screw up and they'll tell me and it's okay. And Lord, I also, I just thank you for my mom and dad. I thank you that my mom prayed my dad through and then they both together prayed me through. Without them, Lord, I don't know where I'd be. And God, I just, I just thank you. I thank you for this little old church. All my friends that made cameo appearances today. And my new friends that did too. And I just ask that you bless them mightily, Lord. And your glory would shine upon them. And that they would always remember that Christ is their Savior. That he did something unselfish for them. Not because of what they do, but because he loves you. In Jesus' name, amen.